Well, it's good to be here with my friend Vicki Beatty. Vicki, uh, I just want to take us back a moment to just a few months ago. Uh, just a few months ago, we spoke to one another about a thing called Ignite Legacy. And as I was worshiping uh, this morning, I thought about how God is, is so good to speak to us and to lead us and guide us. During that season, so many of you prayed and, and gave in order that we could enter into this day today. Um, yes, we, we thought we were going to be able to wait to the fall, but here we are. <laughs> God's plans are different than ours sometimes, but there's no way we could be here if it weren't for him speaking to us in that season. And, and really, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about how the way God speaks helps to transform our lives. And, you know, Vicki, it's not often that I get to sit on the stage with somebody who's been in the church longer than me. <laughs> and you've actually been in this church for, for how many years now? Well, I'm not very good at the math, but I first, <laughs> I was going to WestCon and I started to go to the singles group in 1984. 1984. So it was early days at South Street. Very good. So you've, you've got a chance to see this church change and grow. And it's, it's pretty interesting that here we are, you and I, doing our first online service together. Yes. You wouldn't have expected that back in 1984, right? would you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you've been doing some really exciting and interesting ministry for many years, over 30 years on the field. Yes. So tell us just a little bit, because, you know, sometimes I take it for granted that everybody knows you, Vicki, because you've been in the church and part of the church for so many years. But for those of you that don't know Vicki, I want you to get to know her a little bit. So tell us a little bit about where you are currently and what your focus of ministry is. Yeah. So I'm a nurse, and um, SIM has a small clinic in Upper Nile State in South Sudan, and um, I'm involved in the leprosy ministry, and um, I help others to do the work as well as myself. I mean, I see the patients and help the patients, but uh, leprosy is still in Africa, and it's particularly in our area of East Africa because of the many years of civil war and um, poor health care. So um, I'm living there. We have a small team and we're meeting the health needs and the others are doing evangelism in the, in the refugee camp. So, so not many of us know about South Sudan, Vicky. Yes. You know, it's, it's every once in a while, maybe we hear about South Sudan on the news, but explain a little bit about what South Sudan is like, the infrastructure, the, the differences between a place like South Sudan and, and our everyday in, in the United States. So where I am, it's a very rural area. I have to fly in on, the air, on an airplane. We have a very good airstrip that's made with gravel <laughs> because of all the refugees and the UN has a big ministry. When I first went to live there in 2007, we had no vehicles. I had a bicycle. And I was living in a mud, uh, first a safari tent while they bit, built my uh, mud hut. So, so, so just to be clear, you, you started out in a tent and then you must have felt like you were moving on up when you got oh, into that mud hut. Oh, it was a palace. Huh? It was <laughs> the, a palace. The mud hut palace. Now, yes. now what? What's the I'm living a, conditions now? I'm in a cement block house uh, with uh, some solar panels so that I can charge my computer. I do have a small fridge that sort of works. At least I can get cold water. <laughs> Tries to work every once in a while. But um, I share an outdoor latrine with teammates as well as an outdoor shower. It might sound like fun to have 
a shower out so under camping the, all the stars. Time. Yeah, oh yeah. But you have to worry about the bugs, the mosquitoes, and the snakes. So I, I take a shower earlier. <laughs> so this is a very different culture, very different experience than than what we're used to. But I just wanted to get a you to get a sense of what it is that Vicky does, where she does it. You know, this this passage that we're looking at, Vicky, is one I know is important to you, and it's important to us as a church. It's, and the first question that's truly asked here is, is the question, who is my neighbor? Uh, I, I love the way Pastor John Dishinger started out our, um, our Church in Action week. Some of you picked up uh, this, this um, beautiful document this week, uh, or last week, and in it there was this photo that's going to come up for you to see, and it reminds us of the, the juxtaposition that we see all the time in our world, where in one case you've got a fashion shoot going on, right next to a gentleman sleeping on, on the, uh, the stairs. Now, this, could ha this happened in Portugal, but it could happen anywhere, and perhaps you've seen it somewhere. Um, this kind of gives us the focus of what we're looking at this week, that our compassion transforms. Um, we, it reminds me of the passage we looked at last week, which reads like this. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? What does it mean to justify, to vindicate oneself? Well, I, I think what this particular gentleman was trying to do is he's trying to soften that demand to not feel obligated so that he doesn't have to respond. He's shrinking from the scope of responsibility. He's identifying what's the minimum obedience to be that's required by Jesus. He's, he's also identifying something interesting. He's identifying who is the non-neighbor. So I, can, you know, so I can avoid wasting my time with those that aren't going to count when I do something good. You know, Vicki, you're working with some of, some of the folks who are in the, going through the greatest trials of life. But, but even in, in that situation, there are people who some would see as non-neighbors, those who are outside of being you know, embraced as my neighbor. Mm -hmm. Who are those people in your culture? Well, often it's people with leprosy. Um, because many people don't understand that it's a treatable disease and they don't understand it's very hard to catch leprosy from someone else. And um, it's a bacterial disease, so we have medicines, but they have many beliefs that maybe it's a curse. Yeah. And when someone is different from us and they don't look right, we, even in our own culture, we tend to reject them and to avoid them. And actually, we're quite unkind to them. And I see this, they are unkind to people with leprosy. It's very important in their culture to eat meals together. They won't eat with a person with leprosy. They don't provide good shelter for them. Mm. And they really stigmatize them. So, so how is your ministry ministering to people just like that? Well, we provide care for them. They live at home. Now, people with leprosy are not cared for in villages. Mm -hmm. They um, come... So at one point, they're actually ostracized yes. from the community. Yes. And so now that, that people aren't as... They understand that it's not something that they need to be afraid of. People are being more embraced. Back well, that's what organizations like the World Health Organization are yeah. pushing. Mm -hmm. There is now treatment. Most people are on treatment for one year, yes. and they come to our clinic. We have two mornings of clinic, and we give them medicine. I've been training people to give the medicine. They need a very good exam, uh, exam because they have a lot of neurological problems. That's where the, the bacteria go. 
and we visit them in their homes as well for outreach. We do self-care groups and other things. And, I think we actually um, have a photo to show yes, that. Yes, shoes yeah. are very important mm -hmm. because they, they're, it's, they're like diab diabetics. They lose their sensation and their skin becomes very dry. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for them to, to get wounds. Mm -hmm. And um, Cornelius has worked with me a long time. He's a refugee. He's maybe 60, maybe 70. Every time you ask him, it's a different age. <laughs> He'll go out on his bicycle and find people, and he does other things. Haroon has only worked with me for about 18 months, and I've trained him to give the medicine, do all the documentation. And he, at the most, has grade 12. He's not a health professional, but then he asks our doctor when she needs help, when he needs help for complicated patients. So these are a couple of people that, that have been moved with compassion. And yes. the, the verse that we read uh, just a moment ago is that um, the Samaritan was moved with compassion. What I love about that passage is that it reminds us of Jesus being moved with compassion. He has this guttural heart feeling, and it, it, often in Scripture it says Jesus was moved with compassion. But in our Scripture today, the same words are used, not describing Jesus, but uh, describing a Samaritan, the most unlikely hero. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. You know, you would have thought, at least the per people listening to this story, would have thought that the Levite and the priest were the, were the heroes, or should be the heroes. But they pass right by this man who's been attacked by robbers on yes. the, one of these very, very dangerous roads between Jericho mm -hmm. and Jerusalem. So to the Jewish, Jewish listener, they're automatically, you know, set back. Why did these two pass by? How come they're not the hero of the story? And then Jesus goes on. And if you're sitting, if you imagine yourself sitting there, you can imagine the Samaritan this is the, the despised Samaritan. And they were hated by the Israelites because they had abandoned the faith. They had adopted the practices of other nations. How could they be the hero of the story? How could that Samaritan be the hero of the story? But it's the Samaritan who goes above and beyond the call of duty. And it's a Samaritan who, like Jesus, was moved with this, this deep, empathetic compassion from within. And he responds to that neighbor. You, know, you mentioned two of your friends, Cornelius and Haran. And these are two of the sort of unlikely heroes, aren't they? Yes. Tell us a little bit more about what it is that they do. You mentioned that, that Cornelius is willing to, to ride out in, you know, you said ride his bike, but you're, that's like a, you're talking about how long of a journey to go find people who have this it disease. Might be, it's, they're in the refugee camp, so maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but still, you know, he's going off on paths yes. and he has the name of the chief, so, you know, it's, he does a great job. So, um, you know, I've been teaching Haroon to, to care for people with leprosy, but we also go into the community and he uh, teaches them about leprosy. And we met with this one group of people, they're, they're a church because one of their church members has, had lepr has well, she's been completed treatment now, but her daughter, who's a church member, went to Blue Nile State and brought her mother back because she knew her mother had leprosy. Of course, she's living with her husband's family. They wouldn't eat with her. They put her in a rundown shelter. The children couldn't be with her. And usually the kids are always with yeah. their grandparents. And so we met with the family and the husband and 
father-in-law of this girl who brought her mother who was sick, they didn't know and they were church leaders. And so once we met with the family, they started treating her better. And then they agreed for us to come and teach the church about leprosy so that they can be kind to people with leprosy. So uh, Haroon taught about how the disease is spread and treated and Cornelius took time to talk about the problems with the feet and how to help them. And one thing that touched me, there were all kinds of people there, young mm -hmm. people, older yep. people, women and girls, and um, people of all ages and both men and women. And sometimes they do bring us, Radia, I think you can see her in this picture, she's sitting on the ground. She's very shy. But the, the church is very uh, kind to people with leprosy. They welcome them in their church service. And um, it's good to see how the church has become involved. So, so Radia goes from this, this sort of being totally ostracized, her, even her own family. She's been brought over to, to be cared for, and yet her, her daughter's family is, is, doesn't understand this disease and is keeping her at arm's length. Correct, yes. And then they, they realize, really through, through the ministry of SIM, hey, this is something that can be treated, and all of a sudden Radia is going through the treatment and she's re-engaged in community. What does she then do with, with this experience? You know, because she didn't come into this situation with knowledge of leprosy or, or even no. a knowledge of the Lord. None at all, because, um, but she did become a believer. This one of these refugee tribes uh, is quite Muslim, but they, they've been reached for Christ. There was a small Christian group when they were in the Blue Nile in Sudan, mm -hmm. but the church has grown yes. by leaps and bounds while they've been in the refugee camp, and Radia was baptized. And yes. she comes to church. I go to a different church, but I've visited her church, and she's there. She comes and greets me. That's great. And so, she, what's, the, what's this picture of? What's she holding there? She's holding her baptism certificate. Those, <laughs> any kind of certificate in Africa is very important. Absolutely. That's and, exciting. Uh, yes. So she's very proud. And, um, and even this church, there's, a, there's an elder who... Um, He's probably middle-aged, maybe a bit younger. He walks with a, a limp. And several times he's gone back home to Blue Nile, maybe taking two days to walk there. And he's brought people with leprosy back That's amazing. for us to greet, bring treatment. So even though church leaders aren't doctors or nurses, they can help in the ministry. Yeah, I mean, that's talk about going out of your way to, to bring care and concern. And there's one more person that we want to talk about. Um, one of the pastors in the community. Yes. Tell us a little bit about him. We're going to see a picture of him as well. Yeah. Well, um, Pastor Bullis is one of our Maban local people pastors, and his father was a witch doctor, and he mm. didn't want to have anything to do it, with it. And I think he was sort of disowned by his father when he mm. decided to go in to be a follower of Jesus. He's a very kind man. He suffered a lot during the wars. I don't know all of his story. But um, the, he's a chaplain at our clinic, and he comes out on outreach. And this one gentleman, his name is Stephen, and I said before that people don't understand that it's a health is 
issue, leprosy, it's a bacterial issue. So his family sent him to the witch doctor to wear an amulet to uh, protect him from disease and they think there's a lot of yeah. evils related mm -hmm. to leprosy. Um, but we went to visit him as a team, Pastor Bullis went with us and uh, he agreed to have the amulet removed and Pastor Bullis prayed and Pastor Bullis loves all people mm. and he visits different communities even when, where there's one of his home communities he goes out on his bicycle and has church and makes sure the people with leprosy are included in church. But he's my hero. He, not all the pastors are willing to go out to do outreach. Some of them yeah. just like to sit in the church and they've had education. Yeah. Um, but Pastor Bullis is much different and he's one of my biggest heroes along with Harun and Cornelius. You've got some incredible friends. I can tell you must, I'm, I'm sure you miss them. I do. It's hard to be away for them, but um, it's time for me to be here right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Well, the Lord knows where he, where he has us. And, you know, yes. he, which, which leads me to the, the question of how do we take what you, we've just talked about and bring it into our Walnut Hill context? You know, I, Vicky and I have been talking a little bit about what does it look like to ignite compassion, this, ignite this compassion that transforms right here in you know, Greater Danbury, Waterbury, Derby, New Milford, all this, these communities and, and, and beyond certainly, but what does it look like and what advice would you give to the Walnut Hill family when it comes to, ser to serving and, and igniting compassion? Yes. Well, a lot of the opportunities are on hold right now because of the mitigation and containment but you can look after, look out for elderly neighbors right yes. in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember the first thing that I did when I was at Walnut Hill, I got involved in um, not planning to, but I had gone to Bible school in preparation to go to the mission field and I was finishing up a couple courses correspondence then there was no online <laughs> and there was a need for the scooters the scooters were part of the pioneer girls and boys brigade that we used to have on Sunday evenings so these are little these are the little yeah ones. this was the little ones the four and five year olds and the lady leading it had a family tragedy and they needed someone to step in immediately and so I did so from January <laughs> to the end of the school year I led the scooters and so <laughs> it was fun um, and so you have to start in baby steps and look for one opportunity and the Lord will use you. So there are opportunities here at Walnut Hill, but Absolutely. there are also opportunities. I don't, I only know Danbury. I don't know for Waterbury and New Milford yeah. and uh, for Derby. But a great thing I have to say is Jericho Partnership. What? <laughs> Jericho Partnership? Yes. Who put you up to this, Vicki? <laughs> she says that Bill did not put her up to this, but I'm not so sure. What happens at Jericho Partnership, Vicki? Well, they, <laughs> they help people at risk, yes. whether yep. mainly children, but there are opportunities for the homeless, and there is a health clinic for children without yes. insurance but they have amazing opportunity now to go into the school systems mm -hmm. and they need people just to read, to help children read. Yeah. I grew up loving reading. My, parent, my mom read to me before I went to bed, mm -hmm. but many of these children, English is their second language. Mm -hmm. And so it's a wonderful opportunity. There's an after school program. 
Mentors are needed for both young women, young girls, and young boys. And there, there are many more. The homeless shelter is temporarily closed because of the problems, but there are many opportunities. Yes. And um, well, it's one of the things in this in this year that we really wanted to focus on. We've been praying this prayer: uh, Lord, transform our hearts. Uh, Lord, give us your eyes, and then it's going to continue on. Lord, open our ears. Lord, empower our hands. So. There's, there's so much opportunity to pray, to give, to serve. You know, last year I challenged many of you to take this prayer guide, and there's going to be a new one this year that you're going to be able to download uh, and get involved in. But I, I encouraged you, would you consider praying for all of our partners and all of our ministries once a week? It takes about 20 minutes to do. Something I can't say I did every single week, but I did often this year, and it was a joy, and I felt like I got to know our partners so much better and be involved in the ministry around the world. So I want to encourage all of us to start to pray. I want to encourage us to give. Um, many of you have been giving to Church in Action for many years, and I want to encourage you to keep going with that. Um, this is a season where we've said, Lord, please speak to us, and we want to respond. We want to hear from you. We want to respond. And I want to encourage all of us to do just that. I'm not going to challenge you with anything in particular except to say, listen to what the Lord has to say to you and respond. And for those of you who have never been involved with our Church in Action giving, I want to encourage you to make a pledge for the first time this year. Vicki is just one of the folks that we support through Church in Action. We have you know, 32 different uh, missionaries and partnerships, all sorts of different opportunities to get involved in. I really want to encourage you to be involved. We, our, our goal is to give away a half a million dollars outside of our normal operations fund. And then finally, Vicki was, was, got right at it for us, is, is serve. Yes. There are so many ways, and, and start somewhere. So often we can sit on the sidelines and say, ah, oh, it looks like everything's being taken care of. Someone else will do it. But, but friends, in the body of Christ, you are needed. Where is there a place within the church or outside the church in all of our campuses to get involved? I want to tell you, there are more than enough opportunities to get involved. We'd love for you to take that time. You know, we're going to, in, in a moment here, we're going to close with, with a song of worship. Um, but I just want to, to pause and say thank you so much, Vicki. Um, we, a, a year ago or so, or a couple years ago, we honored you for 30 years of, of It was of 25 service. then. It was 25, but now we're, we're getting on to 30, aren't we? Yeah, it's 30. 30 years, so I guess we need to give you a new award. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I love hearing your stories. I love hearing what God has done, and, and I particularly just, I just love you because you're a person who has heard from the Lord and, and you've gone and responded. I know that when we hear your stories, it's easy for us to think, I could never do anything like that. But, I, but when I've talked to you before, you said to me lots of times, I'm only doing what God has told me to do, and I have great joy because I'm doing what God told me. Yes. Is that true? Is that That's a, very true. Yeah. And I also want to say thank you to Walnut Hill for being with me for over 30 years. Well, it's been a privilege. And helping me and along the way and encouraging me and supporting me. Well, it's been a privilege, Vicki. It really has. Friends, we have opportunity now to, to really see our compassion transform. Uh, we are in a unique moment where we, have, we, we will have opportunities that we can't even see right now, right in our community, but we also have opportunities out there in the world, and I want to encourage everyone to be involved. You know, Vicki, before we close, is there anything that we can be praying for you? I want to pray for you before we, we let you get away from us today. Yeah, well, pray for my team in South Sudan. It's really hard. They're supposed to have a spiritual light conference in April. 
Um, we had to ask the speaker and the ch child care workers not to come. Mm -hmm. I don't know all the details, but there are way things, limitations, in, mm -hmm. even in Kenya, like all over the world. So pray for my team that they can get some sort of spiritual refreshment. Mm -hmm. I pray for our clinic workers. They, we couldn't give them a raise this past mm -hmm. year because of funding issues. But then the government um, has increased their taxes from 5% to 10%. Oh, wow. So they're not getting as much. It's a, there's a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. and, um, so, but God is sovereign and he's working through that situation. Yeah. So just uh, pray for my team, both the South Sudanese as well as my fellow missionaries. And um, I'm still have more churches to visit on this home assignment, but missions conferences have been canceled. Yeah. So just wisdom for the rest of my home assignment. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, well, let me, let's, let's pause and pray now. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for Vicki and our long friendship with Walnut Hill and, and even the personal friendship that I've been able to enjoy with Vicki. I, I thank you so much, God, for what you have done in her and through her and what you're doing even now. And I pray for her team in South Sudan. Lord God, I pray for those who are struggling financially, those who are, are wondering where the next opportunity is going to come. And, and particularly, God, I pray you'll refresh them. They're looking to have some spiritual refreshment here in April. I pray that somehow, some way, that will be able to happen, Lord Jesus. I pray for Vicki as she's home and as she's preparing for what's next. I pray you give her great wisdom um, and great uh, assurance that you are with her. And God, I want to also just pray for each one of us. Uh, Lord Jesus, we want to be those people in your, in your kingdom that, that have ears in tune to you, who, who listen, who hear, and who respond. And God, when it comes to our local church and our, the church around the world, God, we want to be a part of what you are doing. So I pray, God, that you will help us to take the steps that we can take right here in our neighborhoods and way beyond that, Lord Jesus. We just want to see your kingdom coming, your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to ignite our compassion. We want to see our compassion transform this world. And God, it's amazing that you can use us, but we know you can. We're simple people, but you can use us. And we thank you for that, God. Show us the ways you would want to use us as individuals and as a church. Yeah. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been great to be with you this morning. Vicki, thank you again. Thank you for having me. God bless me. you, my friend. Okay, thank you.